This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. My favorite saying is nothing changes if nothing changes. I remind my clients of that every time we map, right? If you're just going to do this and then not change anything as a result of it, then, you know, everything's going to just be status quo going forward. That's the voice of Annette Franz. She's the founder and CEO of CX Journey and a highly respected customer experience consultant. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Hey there, I'm Michael Momsen. So we've spoken to a few people recently about things like service blueprints and design thinking. And so today we're going to explore a really important part of customer experience, which is customer journey mapping. Yeah, and what I really like about this interview is that Annette takes any of the intimidation elements off the table. So if you have heard the concept of journey maps, maybe you may be a pro or maybe you think it's a bunch of jargon and you don't need to worry about it. This episode will really give you the practical tips to get started, even without consultancy or without reading any books, you'll be able to end this episode and actually start doing a basic journey map. So we started the show with the best possible question, which is, what is a journey map? So a customer journey map is really a way for us to walk in our customer's shoes to really understand the steps that they take as they're interacting with our brand, right? It's a really creative process where we illustrate those steps. We sort of capture this timeline of what they do from some point A to point B, right? That that transaction. And we tell the story of the experience that the customer is having, right? So that's really what a journey map is. It's a timeline telling the customer story. It's a visualization of that experience that the customer is having with our brand. What does it actually look like when it's done? And we'll talk a little bit about the actual process. But when you go through that process, what's that end output look like? You know, the interesting thing is, is that there are a lot of different frameworks, a lot of different ways to create a journey map. But I think each map or each framework has three key components, right? We always capture what the customer is doing, what the customer is thinking, and what the customer is feeling. So always capturing the steps that they take, the goals that the customer has at each step and, and their desired outcomes from that interaction, and then how they're feeling at each step along the way. And that's where that sort of emotional and empathy piece comes into the customer experience. And from there, we can capture a lot of other things like what channel they're you know interacting with or using. We can bring in um, what's happening on what we call the on stage or the front stage, which is really the people, the tools, the processes, the systems, those kinds of things that they use as they're interacting with our brand. Could you talk us through an example then of like what a customer journey might look like and explain what kind of, you know, you've got arrows pointing places and little diagrams and little call outs and, you know, handwritten notes or whatever it is, right? Like just talk us through what a journey might be and then what it looks like obviously on the wall or, or on, on paper. I like to use the example of a, a coffee shop and people, this is a, something that everybody can relate to, right? Going to get coffee. And it's not just as simple as thinking about, hey, I want some coffee and then you're at the coffee shop, right? So, and this gets to the point too of the level of detail that we want to map out. We want to map at enough level of detail or, or deep enough level of detail that we can um, really understand where the experience breaks down and where it's going well. And so if you think about you want to go and get some coffee, you're going to start this journey where you say, you know, and and a lot of times what we do too, is we want to capture what's happening before, just before that scope, that point A to point B that we've defined and what's happening right after, just to give us a really good um, perspective. So, you know, for from the customer's perspective, and again, we always map from the customer's perspective. We always talk sort of in those, what I call I phrases. I'm, I'm the customer. So I got in my car, I 
drove to the coffee shop. And at this point, we're going to be capturing, there was a lot of traffic. I was frustrated. So we capture some of the emotions about what's happening along that journey to just to the coffee shop. I get to the coffee shop and I can't find a place to park. It takes me 10 minutes to find a place to park on park, you know, half a mile away from the coffee shop that I wanted to go to. So by the time I walked to the coffee shop, I opened the door and I'm completely frustrated because now I've had to park half a mile away and I walk in and there's a long line, <laughs> you know, so I'm burned out from the travel over here. And now I'm frustrated because I, you know, walk in and, and there's um, a long line. So, you know, I wait in line. i decide what I'm going to order. I finally get up to the barista and I place my order, you know, so we're going in that level of detail so we can find out where things are breaking down. And one of the things that the brand, the company can then do as a result of that is to really mitigate some of those pain points. So they can really do the things that they're doing well, well all the time, but they can identify where things are breaking down and to help to mitigate. And we like to capture those things that are also happening outside of the brand's control because we have no control over the traffic and the parking and those kinds of things. It's how the customer feels the moment they walk into our shop, right? And how can we help them have a great experience as soon as they enter into our doors. And, and so we know that parking is bad. And so how can we, how can we fix that? How can we mitigate that? So maybe we offer them a free muffin or we show them a video of a, you know, a comedy skit or something like that, sort of to take their minds off of what they just experienced outside of our control, but now they're in our control. And so now we can make it a great, happy and delightful and emotionally positive experience. So that's why we try to capture that level of detail. Yeah. And then I guess like from that point, you've ordered your coffee. There's a whole fulfillment part of the journey as well, right? So it's like, and then I wait for my coffee to be ready. Somebody calls out my name. I go to the counter. I get it. Is it hot enough or too hot? Um, Do I enjoy it? Did they spell my name right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, all of that. Uh, Is there a bin for me to throw it out when I'm finished? Is the atmosphere in the coffee shop good? Is there a place to sit? Is it, you know, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. And so when you're designing this, I'm assuming that, you know, you've got lots of like pictures and arrows on either a whiteboard or sticky notes, butcher paper. And then at some stage, you'll probably turn that into like a beautifully designed virtual document. But when you're actually mapping this, the process, you're just drawing like literally like a flow chart basically between all the steps. That's right. That's right. And for the most part, even for the what the customer is doing, there isn't even a flow chart because what I ask them to do is put the post-it notes, you know, in order, in exact order of how things are happening, right? So the arrows might come in later when we start to add the emotions and the goals and things like that. We may add some arrows at that point, but we ask them to just really think about what next, what happened next, what then what happened, then what happened, then what happened. And, and really, you know, there's when it comes to the steps themselves, there's not a lot of arrows there because we just haven't put the post-it notes in the exact order of things happening. So. So you've obviously got like a look at what the process is from start to finish through that customer journey, but you talked there, Annette, a little bit about emotion. And I know that there's kind of like an objectives piece as well that you're trying to understand. So it's almost like what goal the customer has for this whole process. So how does emotion and objectives and those other things come into it beyond just the process? Well, it's important because as we're designing these experiences, right, we have to consider, always consider what is the customer trying to do? What problems are they trying to solve? What are their pain points? And so it's important to know what their goals are and if we're meeting them at each one of those steps. And it's important to know how we're making them feel. Again, as it's just, it's part of the design process. If we know that this is really painful, it, you know, the, the emotion piece is the piece that really gets people. I'm working with a client right now who is in the construction industry. 
right? And that's like the one of the most manly man kind of industries that you can be in. And we've been journey mapping with them, with their customers. And in the first journey mapping workshop that we did, I said, okay, well, we're going to, you know, the next row of post-it notes is going to be emotions. How did you feel? And they, you know, it was a room full of eye rolls, like, uh. <laughs> but I have to tell you, they got up, they did it. And then that is the row on the map that had everybody's attention. It was the thing that my client still talks about today. And every workshop we've done since then, he gets up and he's like, guys, we're going to be talking about our feelings today, you know, <laughs> but to them, it was such an eye-opening thing, right? To see, oh my gosh, we made our customers feel small. We made them think that we didn't care about them. We made them like, to just to see that, you have no other word for it than eye-opening because I don't think most companies realize what they do to their customers. And that's not just in a B2B situation or a B2C, any situation. And that's why emotions is, that's such a big piece of it because any human being, you know, if we are sympathetic and empathetic, right, any human being is going to just feel so bad about having designed an experience like that. And like I said, I, I don't think most companies even realize that they put their customers through the pain that they put them through. So, so Annette, how do you actually develop a customer journey? So there's a six step process involved in doing it. How do you design a workshop? And what are those steps? So a journey map is both a tool and a process, right? A lot of people look at it just as a tool. And if you do that, you're never going to make any changes to the experience. You're just looking at it as a picture on a wall and that's it. So the reason that I've got this six-step process is because I wanted to evolve that thinking with a lot of my clients who end up just you know throwing the maps under their desks or in a closet or whatever and never do anything with it to, except say, hey, we mapped and that's that's not good enough, right? So the six-step process is really around the following steps. So it's about planning. The, the second step is empathizing. The third step is really around introspection and then identifying and then ideating and then implementing. So I can walk you through each of those steps. Planning is really about you know the workshop and prepping for the workshop. And it's all the things that you have to get right before you actually walk into the room to map with your customers or, or even if you're just going to do what we call an assumptive map, which is gathering a group of stakeholders and mapping what we think the journey is today, but then taking it out as a next step and validating with customers. So key point that I would make at this point is that we always want to either map with customers. And if we don't map with customers, always validate the map with customers so that we've always ensured that we've taken the customer viewpoint and captured everything that the customer is actually going through. But during the planning phase, the first phase of the process, um, I typically coach people on using personas, not targets, making sure that they really have solid objectives and goals in place for the mapping. So why are you mapping and what are you going to do with it, right? I don't want anybody to ever walk out of the room and go, okay, we're done. And then check the box and that's it, right? We've got some objectives and we've got, you know, some success metrics that we're going to track against those objectives. Always make sure that before we even walk into the room, everybody knows what we're mapping, right? What's the point A? What's the point B? What is that scope that we're mapping? And I always make sure that we have the right people in the room, right? Whether it's customers or it's internal stakeholders. And I'll give you an example of how you know you have the right people in the room, right? So if I'm mapping, for example, a call center interaction, a customer is calling customer support for help with you know, whatever they needed help with the question answered about their billing, let's say, for example. Well, 
the people in the room are not going to just be your customer service folks, right? A customer service agent. You're going to want to have the billing people in the room because it's their problem, right? You know, maybe it's somebody's calling about a product issue. Well, you're probably going to want to have somebody from marketing in the room. You're probably going to want to have somebody from sales in the room. You're probably going to want to have somebody from product design in the room because you want those people to hear the story, right? You want them to hear and to have input and to understand that what happened upstream is affecting the customer downstream, right? So if marketing sets the wrong expectations, which I know they never do, and sales sold the dream, which I know they never do, and then the customer gets it and it's like, oh, well, this doesn't do at all what you said it was going to do. So they end up calling support because they need help because it's not doing what they thought it could do, you know? So that's an example of getting the right people in the room, making sure that you have the people who are impacted by that journey or who have some effect on that journey in the room so that they can hear the customer's voice and hear the customer's pain point. Yeah, that's actually a really important point and one that's probably often overlooked. You do need to get the right people involved in this process. So what's step two? So step two is empathize. And really, this is about getting in the room and mapping the journey, right? So mapping what the customer is doing, thinking and feeling, mapping from the customer's perspective, mapping the current state first. I have a lot of customers who are clients who want, think they can get in the room and just start with future state mapping, but they have no idea what the current state of you know the experience is. And so I say, always, always, always start with mapping the current state of the experience. And then don't process map. Really, this is about the customer's perspective and the customer experience. Don't start thinking about what's happening behind the scenes and what the process is that's causing that to happen. And, and similar to that, people shouldn't be you know, trying to solve problems at this point. What we're doing and when we're mapping is we're gathering the facts, right? We're trying to collect the facts and, and capture exactly what's happening. You know, As we talked about earlier too, map at the right level of detail and map the journey and not life cycles. Don't be up here mapping, you know, need awareness, consideration, and, you know, selection, that's life cycle mapping. And that's not where we're at. We're, we're down much deeper, looking at a specific experience, a specific interaction and mapping at that level. So we're also um, at this point, as we're mapping, we're bringing data into the maps as well. I always ask people to bring if, you know, if they've got survey data, if they've got any metrics that they've already captured, any maybe even operational data that we can add to the maps at this point, we definitely want to bring that in as well. And I always ask them to bring artifacts too. So pictures, invoices, messaging, emails. Voice of customer data. Exactly. Anything like that that can really help to bring the journey to life is really what I want them to bring in. Another thing that I will say at this point too is that I'd like to have, as we're mapping, have the client assign owners to each of the steps along the journey as we're mapping. Because at that point, before we leave the workshop, we already know who's got to be accountable for where we're seeing that things are breaking down. We can go back and find that person (laughs) and start to have some conversations about why this is happening and what's happening. So, you know, the other thing that I would say, this is after the workshop, but I like to remind people at the end of the workshop that this is great that we've captured this on butcher paper and post-it notes. It's been a really creative process, but what we want you to do next is digitize it, right? Get it into a format where you can actually share it, update it, keep it a living, breathing document um, within the organization. You know, the 
butcher paper and post-it notes ends up getting rolled up and seriously it gets put in a closet or shoved under a desk and and that's the end of it you know and so if we digitize it we then are able to keep it alive so to speak so well it's probably digitized and display right because you want to put it up on a wall somewhere so that it becomes like a public thing that people actually can refer to so yeah I, i do like that I'm a huge advocate too of the customer room and you can bring those maps into your customer room and display them there. If you've got monitors around your offices, right, you can put them up there so everybody can see what they look like as well. So there's a lot of different ways to display them. Absolutely. So we're at uh, step uh, three. Step three is all about introspection. And and this is where we create the service blueprint and do some of the process mapping, right? So this is really about looking inside and looking at what's happening behind the scenes so that we can really understand where and why things are breaking down for the customer in their experience. So that's all I'll say on that one. I'll just keep it short and sweet. Step four is around identifying. And basically what this is, is after I'm done with the workshop, I have my clients also sit down, debrief on what happened during the workshop, and then look at you know the data that we've got with the maps and really identify where the problematic moments of truth are. And the moments of truth are, you know, it's make or break moments where the customer decides, hey, things are going so well, I'm going to keep going. Or, hey, this is a really painful process. I will not move forward. I will never use this brand again, whatever their decision is, but it's sort of, it's that point in the journey that where the customer just says, okay, things are going great. I'm going to keep doing this or, I don't know, you know, abandon ship. I'm moving on to, to another store or another whatever. So at this point, we do some root cause analysis and we start to develop the action plans and really think about how we're going to improve the processes and the steps that are broken, assign owners, assign deadlines, you know, accountability is huge on this and we need to make sure that it stays alive and, and that the work done. And this is the part of the process, right? This is where the the tool ends and the process begins is around, you know, really figuring out how you're going to fix the things that are going wrong. Yeah, actually use the document and use the the information that you found because it's all well nice to have someone in a fancy workshop and feel good about, you know, a half day thing and sticky notes and sharpies. But if nothing changes, it's kind of a waste of time for everyone. So, yeah. My favorite saying is nothing changes if nothing changes. I remind my clients of that every time we map, right? If you're just going to do this and then not change anything as a result of it, then, you know, everything's going to just be status quo going forward. Welcome to the quickfire round where we ask the challenging questions to get to know the lady behind the microphone. Annette, are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. You have 10 seconds per question. Your time starts at the end of my question. Question one, what company has wowed you recently? Amazon, always Amazon. Where do you go to upskill? Books, YouTube, podcasts, other? Um, I would say books. I have so many books here that are on, that I'm reading some books. What's your top book recommendation at the moment? Something that uh, has, has changed your thinking recently? And there's a book called Everybody Matters. Um, and it's by Bob Chapman, who is the CEO of um, Barry Miller, and just his approach to leadership and really human experience rather than, you know, just a customer experience or employee experience. So a great, great inspirational book. If you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? I would be a pepper. Why, why, why a pepper? I have no idea. <laughs> Because really maybe because you like to spice things up. There you go. Exactly. I like that answer. Thank you. That's a good answer. Good. It was a good save. And if you were an Olympic athlete, what sport would you compete in? It would be track. 
What uh, skill are you terrible at? That's a really good question. There are a lot of things that I'm not good at. <laughs> How about working a chainsaw? <laughs> <laughs> That so was unexpected. Not in your, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully not in your day-to-day requirements. <laughs> hey guys, come into this workshop. <laughs> so let's jump back into the uh, into the process. What were the final few steps? We made it through step four. We are on to step five, and step five is really around ideation. The next thing we want to do is ideate with our customers, really identify what's the ideal experience that, you know, the, if you could have the best experience ever, what would it be? And so when we ideate with our customers and they tell us, here's what we would ideally like to see. And you know what, honestly, in my experience, they don't come up with really crazy things. They come up with some very practical and you go, wow, <laughs> they have this opportunity, this, they have this clean slate, but usually they come up with some very practical things that, that most of the times we can implement. But so that is step five. It's ideating, it's future state mapping um, to really uh, design the blueprint for what that um, future state experience is going to be. And then step six is all about implementing. So this is where you get to work, right? So you've now got the blueprint for what your new experience is going to be. Now it's going to be all about prototyping, testing it, failing fast, right? Getting feedback from your customers. Is this working better now? No, it's not. Go back, redo it, fix it, and then launch it again. So again, it's around prototype test, fail fast, and then around training the employees on what that new experience ends up being and making sure that customers know what the new experience is going to be. And if there's any, you know, communications or messaging that needs to go out to customers. So if, if the process has changed for them, they know what that is. And so it's all about uh, training and closing the loop with customers as well. And then really keeping the maps updated at this point, you know, they are living, breathing documents. And so when we have that new experience, we want the maps to reflect the new experience because then we can use those maps then as training and onboarding and educational tools for our employees and making sure that they always know what the experience is that they need to deliver. Could you maybe talk us through an example of where you've gone on this journey with, you know, a client or someone and where it becomes quite apparent quite quickly where some of the issues are and what are some of those things that you sort of typically see? Yeah, you know, well, every every client, every brand, every industry is different, but as soon as they become apparent, you know, we can, obviously we continue mapping because we're going to find out what's happening before and after that. But as soon as there, that aha moment happens where it's like, ah, if only we had done that, or if we didn't do that, or if we had a better process here within whatever this little scope of where that issue is happening, it's an exciting moment for everybody, right? But that's the area where we've got to really then sit down and do some root cause analysis, really get people on it as soon as we can and acting on it. And once we do the root cause analysis and we've identified how we're going to fix that, then we go into, you know, future state mapping and we sit down with the customer and ask them about how do we design a better experience? How do we pie in the sky, unicorns and rainbows? If you could tell me anything about how you would want this experience to be, what would it be? And so that's also a fun part of the workshop too, is when we've identified that have you heard of um, Airbnb's 10-star experience mapping? No, I haven't heard of that. No. Uh-uh. no. Uh, it's pretty cool. I'll, we'll share a link. But basically, the founders did this thing where they were like, okay, what 
let's describe a, a five-star experience where we know that, well, what's a six-star experience? You know, what's a seven-star experience? And like they get all the way up to 10-star experience where, you know, you land off the plane and there's cheering fans cheering your name and a right. limo's there and like it's completely <laughs> extravagant and it. over the top. You know, in a six, seven-star experience is the, the host has looked them up beforehand and realizes that they're into surfing and has already hired a board for them, has it ready, you know, has a lesson booked and, oh, and you might like these people and I booked a dinner with, you know, these folks who can take you on a surfing safari and they just keep dialing up the star experiences and it's, it's a good way to kind of just say if money was no object but all of a sudden out of that come some nuggets of things that you can really do to go over and above to delight. And in terms of an, an actual example that might come to mind where you've worked with a client and I suppose, yeah, this process really, you know, hit them in the face going, oh gosh, like I, I, we weren't aware of that. Are there any that, that sort of come to mind? There's a fitness brand that I've mapped with that you can book classes online on, or, or, on their app or online, right? And it was broken. The registration process was broken, but not for everybody. It was a very weird thing. And it turned out that it was only for people who are on Android mm. <laughs> and not on iPhone. So, so that was an interesting realization there because we walked through the process. This was years ago. Now both platforms are, you know, they, they when developers develop their apps and stuff, it's pretty seamless from one platform to the other. But at the time it was, it was not the same. And um, yeah, it was a very eye-opening process for them because they were like, well, why do people keep coming in and complaining about this? And and most of them were on iPhones and they would go and try to register for a class and it was working just fine. And so that was one of the things that we discovered there was just, and they fixed it, you know, it was fixed within 24 hours. That's the crazy part of it when, <laughs> you know, to, to cause so much pain for their customers for so long. And then to just have this, oh, wow. Is that really where it's breaking down and fixed it pretty quickly? So, And I know the retail industry is one that is quite easy to understand in terms of a customer journey. I'd be interested in if you've done a journey map for a retailer and what sort of typically pops up or maybe in a specific example that, that comes to mind where as you map that out, there was something that was a challenge that was highlighted and then, you know, having that aha moment. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, and this one was a few years ago as well, but, you know, we think about shopping cart abandonment online and it happens in store as well, right? So I was working with a brand who completely redesigned their cash wrap as a result of what we uncovered during the journey mapping process. And we looked at different personas as well. And there was no difference in terms of persona, but it was just the inefficiency of the cash wrap and the way that the cash registers were lined up and the way that customers had to line up for the cash register that just created this mess for customers. And this is where artifacts come in really handy, right? When you bring in pictures of people waiting in line and all of that, it was just, uh, it was crazy. So yeah, they went through a major overhaul of their stores and, and changed the entire cash wrap process. If there's someone listening who maybe is at a mid-size organization where they don't have the people internally to be able to pull this together or potentially have the budget to hire someone externally, what are some tips that you would have for someone to actually just get started today to try to give this a go? You know, I think the big thing is don't let it scare you, right? Don't try to boil the ocean. Start small and really think about what the customer is doing, thinking, and feeling. Those are the three key things that you want to capture and always capture it from the customer perspective. Um, as long as you walk in the customer's shoes, you'll never go wrong, right? So I think those are probably the key tips is start small, don't boil the ocean, pick a scope, work on that, capture doing, thinking, and feeling from the customer's perspective. 
I love that. And in, in many ways, even if you don't follow the world's most perfect journey map or all the, you know, right consulting advice, anything that you do and that you document that takes a customer or that, that you go on a journey of, okay, my customer's trying to do this. What exactly are they trying to do? <laughs> what are they thinking and feeling when they get to this point? Okay, now they have to go to this next hoop and they've got to do this. What could they possibly be thinking and feeling? Pretty much anything that you do when you map that out, you're going to find things, right? You're going to learn. It is such a great learning process. And yeah, regardless of how sophisticated or unsophisticated it is, you are going to learn something. And that's a great starting point. And are there any particular books that you would recommend or blogs, resources, where if someone really wants to you know, go deep on this stuff, where, where you found really practical, helpful tips to get started here? Obviously, on my site, cx-journey.com, I have a lot of resources around journey mapping, but there is a site that I like to send people to. It's um, designingcx.com. Um, a lot of great resources. It's an Oracle concept, their website, their thinking on journey mapping, lots of great tools and resources that they offer up there. So that is probably the number one resource that I would send people to. Amazing. Well, Annette, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. It was, uh, it was really fascinating. Absolutely. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. What another great show with Annette. It was. Really great to understand how customer journeys work in detail. Yeah, what was really great was having someone like Annette who is highly respected in the customer experience industry. She sits on the board of CXPA, which is the leading industry body for customer experience. And so, it was great to have someone at her level walk us through journey mapping. So, why don't we jump into the takeaways? One of the things that really stood out for me was how this doesn't have to be an intimidating experience in actually just doing a journey map. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's actually really easy. Uh, so, don't let it frighten you that you don't know how to do this. Don't wait for the consultant to come in, just literally grab a piece of paper and sit around with colleagues even to start with or yourself and go, okay, customer is trying to do X. What do they have to do? Step one. What is it that they're thinking and feeling? What do they have to do? Step two. What is it that they're thinking and feeling? What do they have to do? Step three. What could they possibly be thinking and feeling? And just mapping that out is the best place to start. So, uh, the second takeaway and and what I really took out of this interview with Annette is you can do this um, internally, talking to stakeholders and map out what you think a customer journey is and there's some value in that. But to take it to kind of like the next level, you get a huge amount of value talking to customers. Mm. And I think a lot of the time when we're trying to improve customer experience and develop delightful experiences, we do so in the absence of talking to the people that consume them and the people that they're developed for. Right. And so there's a huge amount of uh, opportunity that I think we sometimes miss by doing things solely internally. So yeah, get, get customers in, talk to them, ask them about what they're experiencing in terms of pain points and ask them what the solution to that uh, pain point would be and you'll get some great results. The third thing for me was that journey mapping is one of the elements in the kit bag from design thinking to human-centered design to service blueprints to personas, like these different things that we've explored. They all effectively have the same DNA, right? Which is taking a scientific type method in let's just actually understand exactly what's going on here, right? Like, let's just define the problem. Let's define the situation. Let's just look at what the actual facts are and put those on the table. And then clearly then go, okay, well, these are the problems or these are the things that we want to improve. And then let's run a a lean little experiment to see if we can, we ideate and then we run a lean little experiment around that. And then let's go back to to the journey map. And so, I think what's really nice is that these things aren't in isolation. They all interwork with each other and they're all of the same philosophy. And then the last one is pretty quick and easy, I think, but has a huge amount of power. And it's what I'm calling 
D&D, which is digitize and display. So whenever you run a workshop, whenever you, you know, do one of these uh, practices, journey mapping or service blueprints or design thinking, all the stuff we've talked about so far, capture it, do something with it and put it up on display, put it on a wall, distribute it with a team. It's a completely useless process if you just pack it up, fold it up and chuck it in a drawer or, or a cupboard. And keeping it live as well as as things get updated, etc. Exactly. So digitize and display. Yeah, like that. Hey, you said that was the last one, but I'm going to make this the, <laughs> the last one. Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me that that's great that you're keeping it live and then you're making updates to it. And I love her quote that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I think that's the great way to think about it is the whole point that we do this is so that we understand exactly what's going on and so we can make these improvements. But actually, if you don't make those changes, then nothing will change. So, four takeaways with one bonus. They were... (laughs) This thing's really easy. Don't get intimidated by it. Just uh, get going today. The second one is talk to customers to get the deepest insights. The third one is... It is all in the same collection bucket of design thinking, service blueprints. This is not something that's separate. It is all of the same DNA. Takeaway four is digitize and display. And finally, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Well, thanks for listening. If you want to connect with Michael or me, you can find us both on LinkedIn, Adam Jaffrey and Michael Momsen. Yeah, please connect with us. We love connecting and sharing additional tips and content around customer experience and would love to hear any thoughts that you have around the show, what you'd like to see on future episodes. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is produced by Rated, the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback. Rate It specializes in capturing in-the-moment customer feedback using things like iPads and SMS and avoiding annoying surveys and mystery shoppers at all costs. To learn more about how to design delightful experiences, head to rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. This show is produced in partnership with Wavelength Creative. This episode was produced by me and Christopher Lawson, who also edited and mixed the episode. And our music is by Icolix, Peter Cooley and The Shrugs. To find all the resources and links that we mentioned in today's episode, head to our website, customerexperienceleaders.com and make sure to follow Michael and myself on LinkedIn and tell us your feedback and requests for future episodes. I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time.